coffee. It's the cherished cup of joy for so many of us. It's the kickstart for millions of us each day, helping us to fire up our focus and boost our energy. But in addition to getting your energy fires going, coffee has been shown to potentially lower your risk of type 2 diabetes, help with weight management, improve your mood, and increase longevity. Even more, a cup of coffee or tea shared with a friend or a loved one can boost feelings of belonging, connection, and joy, which is exactly what I unpacked today with my dear friend, TJ Fairchild, founder of Commonplace Coffee House. Grab your favorite cup and join us as we discuss the mission behind the Commonplace Coffee House, its amazing 20-year journey, and what has made it undeniably iconic. This is a must-listen interview. Hey there, welcome to the Pretty Well Podcast. Do you want to know how to eliminate exhaustion, brain fog, and bloating? Do you find yourself up late at night Googling, why am I so tired? Are you over being told that nothing's wrong with you and your symptoms are just a sign of aging? Hey, I'm Lisa Smith, functional medicine dietitian with a thriving holistic health practice, and I've been there overwhelmed, in pain, and defeated when my doctors insisted that nothing was wrong with my health. But I knew something wasn't right and desperately wanted to find root cause solutions to feel like myself again. But it seemed impossible. So I took matters into my own hands and researched holistic health solutions to my exhaustion, inflammation, and gut problems. And now I want to share these life-changing solutions with you. In this podcast, you will find that radical health transformation comes from small steps in learning the right foods and nutrition for you, healing your gut and dialing in your mindset so that you will be feeling better than ever. Hey, this is Lisa Smith. Welcome back to the Pretty Well Podcast. I am so thrilled to have TJ Fairchild, the founder of Commonplace Coffee, here with us today. And the Commonplace is celebrating 20 years this year. TJ, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Lisa. It's really fun to be here with you. Yeah. And it, you know, we go back, we go way back to that 20 years. It's true. I remember meeting you when you and Joel first moved here. It was pre-kids for all of us. And yeah, yeah. I I think I did meet you and Dave before you guys had a kid. And then when we found out that Julie was pregnant, I think you guys were the first to even hear those, hear that news. We were so so, um, surprised. (laughs) (laughs) It's surprised. And we are a little terrified when we first find out. (laughs) What a lovely journey that's been. And it's been fun to connect with you even before sitting down and chatting on microphones. It's been great just to hang out with you and spend time together. Yeah, same, same TJ. You always, when I see you, it is always a big bright spot in my day. So I'm so happy to be here talking with you today. So let's give a little background. Tell us how Commonplace Coffee got started. What's the story? I guess the easy answer is that it was all accidental. I mean, we, we really did not have any clarity about what we would be doing and you know i was not studying to be in business or studying to pursue coffee as a as a specialized career at all but we were living in a volkswagen van and found out (laughs) that there was a coffee shop that had closed down in indiana pennsylvania we had no connections here but through some friends we networked and met some people and 
moved here and here we are 20 years later. That is amazing. TJ, I think I forgot you and Joel were living in a Volkswagen van. Yeah, after grad school, we we didn't have much clarity about what next steps were. I had planned after grad school to continue in academia mm -hmm. and was a bit burnt out and didn't really feel great about pursuing what I had just finished studying anymore. Didn't feel well equipped to to continue in that track. So uh -huh. we knew we wanted to pivot. We didn't know to what. And so we just packed up everything we owned in May of 2002 and, and lived in a 1974 Volkswagen van. Oh my gosh. And you had never been to Indiana, Pennsylvania before. Never, never even heard of it. <laughs> and you just heard that someone was closing a coffee shop and you could buy it. And that's yeah, so what that, you decided to do. By that November, which, you know, we had been in the van the whole time, primarily spending time in the Northeast. And then we ended up in... Canada, Nova Scotia. We went to Newfoundland, spent some time on the island there, which was unreal. Wow. But by November, we had received the call and the, the coffee shop had closed down. So we, we walked into it as an empty shell. There was nothing left there, but the wow. bathrooms and a three bowl sink <sighs> and water on the ground because oh, the, my the earth on the floor, because the ceiling was leaking. Oh, um, and yet we still did it. Which, <laughs> <laughs> like, there were so many reasons not to so many but, red flags but we did <laughs> you're like yeah let's and, do and this think about what november oh. too is when we visited think about in what, pennsylvania yeah, think about it's what crazy. the weather was the the directions we were given you know this is pre-gps in every car and no smartphones yet yeah um, the directions we were given to come in we passed you know a coal-fired power plant we passed a, a scrap yard that's now the Kovalchik Center, you know, we, yeah. and then it was also November and the snow was a bit gray and had been around <laughs> a lot, you know, like, there it's were so ugly. <laughs> like, it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> but the, the kind of spoiler is that we really started to get to know people and mm. outside of these oddities around this area we fell in love with this area. We, we fell uh -huh. in love with the people. We fell mm -hmm. in love with the potential connections that we would have. And it was, a, it was a small town, you know, we're, we're in some ways we're born 20 or 30 years late. Like there's mm -hmm. this hippie foundation to who we are. Mm -hmm. We loved the fact that there were, I mean, now we've got quite a few billboards around, but there were fewer billboards. We were moving from Charlotte, North Carolina was mm -hmm. where our grad school was. And it was, you know, very, hustle banking industry and we wanted to get back to small town community driven area and the university was here we saw enough reasons to think this is this is a good opportunity for us to pivot and we were coffee enthusiasts coffee hobbyists we'd worked yeah. as baristas oh cool so we had the coffee knowledge we had the people knowledge and here was a fairly low stakes way to start a business. That is so cool. I love it. And you just jumped right in. So what, tell me about how Commonplace, how you came up with the name Commonplace. We bought a book and the author of the book became a bit of a mentor for us in those early years. He's since passed away, but still use his book all the time. His name is Alex Fasenko. Cool, cool guy. He 
supposedly trained the original three Starbucks guys, you know, prior to Howard Schultz. He opened coffee shops in Berkeley, California in the 60s. He's, you know, affectionately called the Dean of Beans, or was (laughs) called that. He, one of the things he recommended was naming your coffee company, if you were going to start one, with, you know, the hard C sound or K sound and alliterating with the word coffee and making it very simple. So, you know, in some ways, like we started just kind of paying attention to words as this project became more real. And we were visiting Julie's parents. We're kind of sitting on the couch and Walt Whitman has become like a big part of our lives. It's part of like the, his poetry was what kind of inspired us to live in a Volkswagen van and be kind of vagabonds and travelers, bohemian anyway. And we ran across uh, one of his sub poems in Song of Myself called Commonplace. And we read that poem and I remember Julie just kind of lighting on it and saying, I think this is it. And it was, it was kind of concerning at first. Commonplace could have some connotations of like average or Uh. not that spectacular. And it was kind of weird because am I using this as an adjective to the word coffee Uh. or is this about the space itself? Mm -hmm. And so we worked through those things and really, I mean, it just became who we are. Commonplace is not only the name, but it's also a description of what our goal is with commonplace. It is that, that we create a space where everybody, regardless of your background, can find commonality and can find connection and will be welcomed. And sometimes that means, you know, a crying baby Mm -hmm. or maybe uh, someone that may not fit into culture very well. Mm -hmm. And we try to be a welcoming space for all. And commonplace is the perfect name for that. You know, it's so funny because in regular language, I, I hear what you're saying the commonplace can be just mundane, run of the mill. But I never thought of that connotation with your oh, with your business. I always think of it as a gathering place. I think of it as this is where we gather and where we bring diversity to gather. Whoever you are, like from from my outside looking in, I always feel like whoever you are, you're welcome here. Yeah, That's sure. how I feel when I'm there which is why it is my satellite office. <laughs> You'll often find me there working there. away on my on my little laptop. That's because I feel I feel so grounded there. Mm. You I know? Yeah. yeah, I do. Cool. Yeah, I love running into you there and having you know, whether it's meeting a friend of yours or getting to connect with you for a minute talking about our children or yeah. you know, life, business, yeah. everything. Every all of it. It brings that's all what of it's it. for, right? That's that's yeah. the commonplace. Yeah, and that is it's it's really neat because that was something I wanted to ask you is what's the mission? But you've you've pretty much summed that all up for us that it is. Yeah, I mean we've gotten kind of uh, more refined in our definition of the mission, but it's still it, it comes back to creating community spaces mm. and you know that's for people. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we have evolved in is understanding that to provide something for people also means to kind of look within and get better at our craft and our skill. Yeah. And so we're, we're constantly trying to make the coffee taste delicious yeah. and as great as it can while serving that to humans. We don't want to make just our craft the focus and, and, be unaware of the people that we're serving it to. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, And that is the experience for sure. 
when you're there, you know, remember Cheers. Yeah, <laughs> remember the yes. show Cheers? That was so you impactful know? to me as a kid. My parents wouldn't always let me stay up and watch it. Yeah. Because I was pretty young when that was kind of prime timing. But Yeah. And there were some, you know, issues in that that show that I was maybe not ready to <laughs> yeah. deal with. But that was so impactful, you know, hearing hearing Norm's name be called yeah, Norm- out when he walks in. Like, yeah. That's all I wanted. You know, I wanted to create a space where all the norms be called out. You know, I love watching when a priest makes a drink as someone walks in Yeah. before they even say anything. You know, they not only know their name, but our staff is, is understanding what these, these folks that are walking in want Yeah. and providing that sometimes without any language interchanged. And sometimes we even, one of my, one of our managers, I love this, he, he says, as much as it hurts us, sometimes I love to forget to charge someone. Aww. You know, because this is, Aww. you're you're having this real human experience. Yeah. And we have to have transactions to keep it sustainable. Sure. But really, if we are exchanging, you know, humanity, mm-hmm. sometimes the transaction kind of falls away and you, you like kind of forget where you are and what's going on. And that to me is a win. Yeah, you know, as much as that hurts. TJ, that hoping, is beautiful. I'm hoping, <laughs> hoping our director of operations doesn't hear this. This isn't the goal. Everybody, please pay. This is a we secret, gotta pay. guys. We got to we got to pay our rent too. But but it is beautiful to think that we could potentially create an experience in real life today that isn't just a transaction and yeah. isn't just about the dollars and cents. No, and you totally feel that when you're there, even. You know, I am dairy free and we'll talk about this in a little bit about dairy free stuff, but I know when I'm at the at commonplace in Indiana, your your baristas just know. Regardless of what I order, they'll go and oat milk, right? Oh, and I'm nice. like, Yeah, of it. course, like you already know. Sometimes I've forgotten to say it. And as I'm walking away, going to get a table, I'll look back at someone and say, Oh, and oat milk and they're like, Yeah, we know. We got nice. that. Yeah, awesome. we already got that. So I love it. Why, uh, why do you feel that this place is so important, especially, especially now at this time? It's such a great question. I mean, I I really don't know why or where it started for me. I I remember, you know, some books I've read or, or you mentioned Cheers as a television show. I mean, that was impactful, but I've always recognized and have been somewhat sensitive to how important it is for humans to connect mm-hmm. and how important it is that we have togetherness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, what drove Julie and I to end up opening a space that is so much about people and connectivity. And the reason I think that's so important is there are so many distractions to that right now in our culture. I see it in the way we do entertainment. You know, I used to I used to have on my Volkswagen van a sticker that said, kill your television. (laughs) And there was a movement happening and in North Carolina, in one of the small towns we lived in for a while, you know, where there was legitimately people destroying televisions Wow! that they'd find in a thrift store, they'd buy it and they would kind of video this thing, you know, whatever. (laughs) That was a concern for me back then that like we would be together in a room watching this large screen. Yes. And now it's devolved to the point where we're not in the same room watching a big screen. And yeah. sometimes we're not even in the same room. We're watching a little screen mm-hmm. or we're putting our music in, in in our ears 
there is so much disconnection happening mm-hmm. in our culture now. And I don't think that I'm like the one put on this earth to change that. But I do believe very strongly that in my little circle, my little experience of life, I want so bad for people to be able to put these things down and to be together. And I feel like there's some healing that happens in that. There's, there's something that has been put in us deeply in our DNA that connection impacts and helps to correct. Mm -hmm. And so I love that I get to be a part of that. I get to walk in all these different addresses that we've cultivated, whether under our brand or mm-hmm. under other people's brand. Yeah. And I get to see people talking that don't look like they would have had an, an opportunity to be in the same conversation together. That's so powerful to me. Yes. Yes. And I, I agree with you so much because we tend to, you know, I, you'll often hear me say, we all have anxieties. We all have traumas. We all have a story. And depending on that story and how it's impacted us to this day, we tend to pull inward those painful places. We tend to close them up, isolate them. And in the isolation, they grow bigger. But when we can just connect, we tend to find that they lose some of their steam in, in how they affect us. You know, it's not the only cure, but it's a definite key piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we do that together. You and I, you know, we've had moments of talking about our business, our families and being able to actually have a conversation about it and realize that we're not in this alone. We're, we're having these same experiences at different addresses or with different names given to them. Yeah. We're all having these same experience to be able to share that with another human being. It really does lose its power. Yeah. And we're able to work through it and be like, okay, we're not alone in the people around me are feeling these things. I right. love it. I do too. And then that load of rocks we start, we're carrying around, we get to take some of the rocks out. Yep. We get to put them down and say, wait, I am not alone in this. Yes. This is a common struggle. And I know that, yeah. you know, I can lift my friend up just as my friend yeah. lifts me up. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you've been doing this for 20 years now. And honestly... I can't believe it. And I love to see the evolution when you walk into your ma- your Indiana location the now. OG. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. When you walk in, it's so beautiful. It started out rainbow colors, old carpet, just to get up into, the, into commonplace. Yeah. But now it is beautiful. It's oh, bright and clean and fresh. Even my kids, when we walk in, they're like, this place looks amazing. <laughs> it looks, am- you guys have done so much, but talk to us about it. How many locations do you have? I would, I would be embarrassed. I think in 2023 to kind of think through what it looked like in 2003, <laughs> it was pretty but bad, but we, you're you just know, starting. It, you just have to, and, it, yeah, and it's an interesting question of like how how do you start something and do you wait until it's perfect I mean we joke all the time in our organization we read it in books all the time that we're we're building the plane as we fly it right yeah if we had waited if we had waited till 2023 abilities whether it's design or financial whatever whatever we didn't have in 2003 if we waited till the 2023 version of ourselves we would have missed all of these opportunities yes. of connection. And, and I apologize to everyone that had coffee with me in 2003 
because it wasn't as amazing as it could have been (laughs) and the space wasn't as amazing but but people still resonated with it and Mm. that's amazing and it blows my mind that now we have six retail stores we're working on our seventh right now wow it's crazy we have a bakery and then we also have a production facility in pittsburgh that roast coffee we have some office staff there we fulfill orders we deliver orders all around pittsburgh wow we ship coffee to literally all over the world like we have (laughs) we have folks that have gotten have resonated with our brand or have gotten Mm -hmm. some sort of touch point with us and then they either go home or they're traveling abroad or something and we have we have orders that are shipping internationally it's crazy that's amazing and i think back to 2003 but it's it's such a beautiful journey and it we could make a parallel to our lives. We're not where we were 20 years ago, right? 100%. And yeah, and yeah. so it's it's all a growth. That makes it more beautiful to me. I wouldn't well, have wanted you to be that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want have wanted you to be that in 2003. Mm. You know, it would That's be too shiny, too per- do, you, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because the journey, the beauty's in the journey. Yeah. There's a really great saying that I love. And it says someday when we get to heaven, like, like we're, we're like, if our life is a patchwork quilt, we see the underside of that quilt right now in this experience, this, this life. And we see all the knots and all the mistakes and everything that just looks kind of ugly as well as the pretty. But when we get to the other side and look down on it, we'll just see it all from the top. It's amazing. And it'll be beautiful. And so that's part of that patchwork quilt. It's a great quilt. reminder. Yeah. Because we're, we're in the thick of it. We're pricking our fingers with the needles and we're bleeding yeah. and we're getting calluses and we see those knots and we see the thread and we're just like, what am I even doing? Exactly. Yeah. This thing is a mess. <laughs> and then you look and you're like, no, actually it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I see it too. So just tell us for our listeners, because if for those who are outside of the Indiana area, where are all your locations so they know where they can go when they're in the Pittsburgh area? And, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, we have the two stores in Indiana. We have a store in near the campus at IUP, and then we have a store in the Indiana Regional Medical Center. Yeah. In Pittsburgh, we're in uh, Squirrel Hill, the Mexican War Streets, Garfield, and kind of the... Uh, Regent Square area and the store that's coming soon is in the Southside Works next to REI. Wow. And then we have a host of clients, you know, all around Pittsburgh in the North Hills, even beyond in Wexford, Cranberry. We have a a shop that we support in Savannah, Georgia, Florida. We go as far West as Kalamazoo, Michigan, and as far East as Lancaster. You couldn't have even seen this. Like 20 years ago, no someone would have told you this. No way. Volkswagen van to Savannah, Georgia. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So you have a documentary coming up and I saw the trailer on your website, which is amazing. I got to tell you, the trailer is amazing. So that's coming out. You said in a couple months, a few months, yep. right? It should be pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. And so people will be able to access it on your website and then on yeah. YouTube. Yeah some other areas. So I'll put whatever we have in the show notes, but I love in the trailer, you said, I didn't want to open a second coffee shop. I didn't want to open a first. (laughs) Tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I still struggle with, with my identity in general and understanding that I'm a business owner. I don't 
feel like mm. that is supposed to be my role. <laughs> I try to wake up ready for it, but then something always happens that reminds me that I don't know all the answers or that there's some, <laughs> you know, some issue that, that I don't know exactly how to navigate. And mm -hmm. I'm becoming more okay with that and being okay with how I make decisions and, and navigate problems. But in the beginning, yeah, I didn't want to open a coffee shop. I wanted to provide a space for people and I wanted wow. to serve a beautiful thing to people. Like that was important to me. And and even organically, like in my house, I want to make people coffee. And when uh -huh. I was in the Volkswagen van, you know, uh -huh. I had a stove in it with a propane tank. That's and I amazing. wanted to make people coffee on the side of the road and share. Really? But you know, the reason that I said I didn't want to open the business is that I, I was scared. I was, mm. I was intimidated. I mean, this was costing money and it was yeah. signing a lease with a personal guarantee and potentially hiring employees, which we didn't do right in the beginning, but but I knew all that was coming and I, it's a big bet. It takes courage. Sure does. Um, and it takes some maturity and I didn't know if I was ready for that. And, <laughs> and when it comes to the, to opening our second store, it was the same kind of processing happening. Like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do more of this. It's going to get more serious. And, and can I do this? And can I promise my staff that I can pay them? And can I promise wow. my landlords that I can pay them? And it was intimidating. I didn't want to do it, yeah. but I made the decision that in order to serve people coffee and in order to get people together, someone has to pay that rent and someone has to set the table for that party, quote unquote, you know, cool. and okay, I guess this is, this is my role. And I guess I've found my spot and I couldn't have articulated it that clearly then, yeah. but there was just fear. There was anxiety. I didn't want to do this, but, yeah. but it happened. <laughs> I have a plaque and it's in my home and my kids see it and they hear it all the time because what you did was very courageous and courage. This is a John Wayne quote. Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Wow. It's amazing. It's my favorite. Yeah. And that's what you did. You're like, okay, hop in the saddle. Here we go. But what you did, in my opinion, is what made you successful. Your mission was to serve people. It wasn't to sell a product. Now, 20 years later, you're selling lots of product all over the world, but your mission is still to serve people. And when people get that you want to serve them, that's, that's what we line up for, right? Yeah, yeah. it is interesting. I mean, we've, we have our product list has grown, but it's still the same mission. It's weird to me to have stickers and t-shirts and hats and things like that. But, you got good merch. But yeah. thank you. <laughs> you do. We do. We, and I don't mean to like say that it's a distraction. It was just, it's odd for me because it's not a part of that original, like serving people coffee, oh. but it has become a reality that people enjoy it and people identify with it yes. and they want to take that with them in some way like they yes. want a bag of coffee in their home and to to replicate the experience they've had in the shop and they want to with pride wear that hey i'm a part of this it's it's a part of my routine in some way or maybe they've gone to iup and then moved away and they want to carry that with them in their workplace to have a hat or a t-shirt and so i celebrated even though it's like it is a little odd to me to have this list of products that <laughs> yeah. aren't necessarily a part of our original design, but it's really fun and it's really cool to see yeah. that part of the business evolve. 
Yeah. And the way I see it is people want to take home with them that feeling they got in the yeah. coffee shop. Yeah. So they're well, actually, too. yeah, you know, when I enjoy something, I want to take a memento home too. So I, I get it. It takes you back yeah, right. to that place where yeah. you felt accepted and sure. joyful. And I actually took some of your merch. My cousin is in Southern Virginia and I went down several months ago to stay with him on the way to a, I was driving to South Carolina and I took some of your merch and some of your coffee cause they're coffee people. And I'm cool. like, you're going to oh, love thanks. it. You need to come up here. So we got to talk about wellness, right? Mm. And pretty well, cause that's just what I do. That's yeah. how I surf. And yeah. so what have you learned about coffee and wellness? Well, I, I do have to say that I'm a little intimidated being on a pretty well podcast where I don't feel that pretty and I don't feel that well, but that's not to say I don't pay attention to it. Uh, it's, it is fun to me to understand that the thing that we are about coffee can be a positive thing mm -hmm. for people from a health perspective. There are obviously a couple of liabilities in relationship to potential heart conditions or some people can react negatively with their metabolism or anxiety. I mean, I'm not, I don't understand right. these things, but I understand that caffeine can be a negative for some people. Yeah. But outside of that, it really seems like there are, are many health benefits to coffee. For sure. There really are. And, and you and I have talked about this before, but really interesting thing Co coffee's controversial right obviously because there there are people who don't tolerate caffeine well and they you know if if they have a heart condition or or if it fuels anxiety or whatever yeah. but on the other side of that same coin coffee is loaded with antioxidants yeah. and phytonutrients which just is a fancy name for plant nutrients and what what i've found in the research and this is brand new and so interesting is that coffee there was a study i'm just going to read it real quickly there was a study in the journal of agriculture and food chemistry that they tested the effects of the again the phytonutrients or the polyphenols is another name for them in coffee with protein specifically with milk and they found that when people had protein in their coffee it increased the ability of those phytonutrients to reduce inflammation significantly more. So if you drink milk, coffee with milk has extra potent inflammation fighting properties. Now I can't drink milk. I said, I would talk about dairy, a great alternative. I do put collagen in my coffee, same thing. This is really cool. And it goes beyond the conversation of coffee, but anytime we combine those phytonutrients, those plant antioxidants with protein, it's found to dramatically increase their inflammation reducing benefits. So think about the veggies and it could be steak, it could be chicken or whatever, but I, I love, love that about coffee. I love finding out that the thing that I love to eat or drink is actually good for me. I'm still waiting for the study that yeah. tells me I can eat all the chocolate chip cookies <laughs> I want to eat, but yeah. I have a blast drinking coffee and to find out that that is positive for my body right too, that's amazing reduces inflammation There's some studies out there are arguing that it's you know great for teeth enamel it strengthens teeth enamel it's great for the liver great for the kidneys that there's even a stage two cancer fighter that is activated when coffee is roasting it's not as wow. active in the green state but when the mayar reaction happens in roasting that there's a very powerful response our body gets to fighting 
you know, really difficult things our body wants to fight. And wow. The expansion and contraction of blood vessels will increase blood flow to the brain and other parts of your body. Yeah. That's all going to be positive, of course, outside of heart conditions or otherwise. But it really seems like this drink is not only setting the table for people to be together, but it's also setting the table for us to be well. Yes, <laughs> you know? I know. And I do love that. It's it's not like you're selling donuts all day. <laughs> you know, if oh, you if all you sell- eat donuts all day, <laughs> if all you sell to donuts then we probably wouldn't be having this conversation because i wouldn't be able to wrap my brain about how can we talk about this (laughs) yeah it would be it would be called pretty not well (laughs) not pretty pretty. there's a postcard you know those postcards that people used to send back in the day from florida in the winter and it would say the weather is beautiful i wish you were here and then i saw one that said the weather's here i wish you were beautiful oh wow that's funny And I'm not knocking donuts. I love them, but we have to moderate. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) At least that's not what we're filling up on all day. So tell me, how does the commonplace ensure the very highest quality of coffee? Well, we're, you know, I mentioned, I kind of mocked myself in 2003. I'd be kind of embarrassed at what coffee I'd serve and potentially even the decor and and the, the, the table setting that would be in commonplace. But since 2006, we've made a commitment to sourcing really, really high grade specialty coffee, where in 2003, I just didn't understand that Mm -hmm. movement. And specialty coffee is, it's not just, you know, a a term we've kind of thrown out. It's, it it was an, an expression and became a following to try to source the very, very, very best quality of coffee. And the way you do that is by connecting with single farms, Mm -hmm. single farmer farms in some cases, very, very small agricultural plots and sourcing the very smallest amount of their yield and harvest for quality purposes. So so a farm that we buy from, maybe 80% of their yield is not specialty graded. And that coffee would be passed off as commodity coffee, commodified coffee or lower. But so we're committed to sourcing that very, very high grade. And in that commitment to sourcing that, only smaller farms, only small agricultural plots are going to be able to pull those things off. And in that ecosystem, that Mm -hmm. financial ecosystem too, a farmer is not going to use pesticides. They wouldn't be able to scale it. So financially it wouldn't Uh, make sense. mm -hmm. And then also they may have financial concerns outside of just scaling they're not going to use that they're going to use all organic processes to make sure that coffee grows well the flip side of that is they may not even be able to afford the certification of organic so when we're sourcing the coffee Mm. we can rest assured that we're only getting the highest graded coffee and we're making sure that that coffee is not in an ecosystem that is going to have pesticides or other contaminants in it and then also we talk a lot about mold potentially in coffee. For sure. That mold yeah. can only happen when coffee is warehoused for a long period of time. Ah. When we're sourcing really high grade coffee, mm-hmm. we want to source it sensitive to the harvest season when mm-hmm. the coffee is grown. Mm-hmm. And we also want to source it sensitive to coffee grows with a cherry around the, the coffee bean. It's actually a seed. Oh, okay. And to get that cherry off, we have to do a a couple of different options to remove the cherry of processing uh, options. Yeah. 
We also want that coffee to be very sensitive to the time frame after that processing happens. Mm -hmm. So any of the coffees that you're going to get in commonplace will not be warehoused for a, a long period of time where mold could begin to, to grow. We're using that coffee right away because the fragrance and aroma, even prior to roasting, diminishes. So we don't want oh, that coffee hanging out. Right. We want to roast that coffee and we want to, to be able to serve it well. And that's what's going to start the process of getting it to be so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And the flavor and the experience of the coffee will be much brighter mm -hmm. and interesting. It will present its best flavor. So we can rest assured in specialty coffee in general, but also the way we're sourcing the specialty coffee, that these contaminants and mold will not be present. That's so good to know, TJ, because we really, you know, there's so much right now about coffee being a crop that is one of the higher pesticide laden crops yeah. and a high mold crop. But I love that you know your sourcing so well and how fresh it must be to meet your standards that you've already taken care of all the main concerns, really. I, I mean, love that. Yeah, that's that's important to us, not mm -hmm. just from a flavor standpoint, but for health as we're talking now. And then also the economic exchange between Commonplace and the farmers. We want that to be a positive impact as well. And three years ago, we started writing at, the, at each year's end a report about where we're sourcing the coffee, who we bought it from. And we, we are very transparent and we even talk about exactly what we paid the farmers for those coffees and there's this great chart in each of the each of the materials that we've written that shows you know what commodity coffees are going for how it trades uh -huh. on on the it's not the new york stock exchange but on the commodities market yeah and then there's also a graph that shows where fair trade coffee pricing comes in at yeah and we're often two and a half times or above where that fair trade mark is which wow. means that we're probably three and a half times over commodity market so you can actually see on our website what we're paying for the coffees, where we're sourcing it, the farmers' names that we're buying it from. That's it's, the coolest thing. We want to be responsible and good stewards of what we're doing. Uh, yeah, and you know what? It's what I hear. It's it's win-win too. Totally. You're blessing the farmers, yep. and then also it's it's full circle. That we, we is couldn't beautiful. do what we do without the farmers, right? And right. so we want to pay as mm -hmm. much as we can yeah and sometimes we pay more than we should mm -hmm. but we want to sustain we want to work with these folks for a long time we have some farms that we've worked with for, for over a dozen years and we <gasps> want that to continue we want to buy That's the amazing. coffee even if they have a dip in quality like from harvest or mm -hmm. from processing or even from an agricultural standpoint we're committed to buying coffees from these folks to make sure that we have a long relationship with them. Ah, oh, that's that's amazing. Honestly, that helps their sustainability. I just yeah, for sure. I you know I I know you're the same. I always believe that the more we help others, the more it comes back to us sure. too. You know, so the more we're seeking to be a bright spot or a blessing in someone else's life, whoever that someone is. It could be a farmer, sure. it could be a customer, it could be a friend, it could be someone on the street who you just met. doesn't really matter, but it comes back. You you can't outgive. It sure. comes back. Yeah. And so... Yeah, and I just want to be a, a part of 
that beautiful transaction. I don't want it to just be, you know, let me see what I can get out of this just for myself. Right. That's right. It, 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 because it's fil- it would be philosophically inc- incongruent with where you are. You right. know, you want to be this right. place that serves people, but, but not you farmers. <laughs> like it, it's not that it was, it's, it's, it was interesting when we first started, Julie and I, I remember talking about this, like even in that hallway before you enter the original store, we talked yeah. so much about serving guests and serving people. Mm-hmm. We had no idea that the humans that we were thinking about would be expanding. You know, we thought about people walking in and being able to serve them a coffee, but we, we didn't think about how that would expand into people behind the bar. So then we started to get to know our care for our coworkers. Yeah. Yeah. And we started realizing, oh, and there's care for the vendors and the people that are coming in from our milk delivery person to the person that delivers our cups. Like how can we be a part of their lives and make this enriching? And then now it's become these people from all over the world that in some cases we don't even get to meet or get to have communication with that often. But the farmers, like we would not be able to do what we do without farmers doing, I mean, they do the bulk of the work, right? Like it's for sure. why would I not want them to be front and center in my mind and trying to figure out the best way that we can steward that relationship? Right. Yeah. That is awesome. Speaking of that, you have mentored many other coffee shop owners. So many. I, I We've talked about this. I don't even know how many. That is service as well. But do you yourself have a mentor? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love that I get to spend time with these folks that are opening coffee houses and and often in that relationship of them kind of coming to me for mentorship. And as we talked about earlier in some personal time, like trying to help people avoid pitfalls and and roadblocks to their success. Often they become my mentors as well. They have something to add to me. Friendships grow there and that's a really important part of our relationship. And I do have mentors myself too. and, And that's, that's actually why I think, and again, at the origin of it, I don't know that I could have described it as articulately as I could now, mm-hmm. but I really believe that I owe a debt to my mentors and people that have invested in me and cared about me to me actually turning that around and caring for other people and helping them in their journeys with business or in life or anything. Like I, I love spending time with people, not just about coffee, but you know, meeting young people and talking about like what decisions they can make as they find their career path and journey. But, um, it's interesting as I was kind of like processing the question of mentoring and, and who my mentors are, I actually got an email from uh, a mentor of mine yesterday who was responding to a call. I called him kind of in desperation a few weeks ago about some profitability issues and about some decision-making And I was just really having a hard time. And he sent me this article that was so beautiful about making sure that you cultivate relationships outside of your organization for mentorship, because you can't inside your organization sometimes talk about with the same vulnerability that you can to someone outside about things like, am I making the right decision here? Are my feelings appropriate as I'm processing these things? So Greg sent me that article yesterday in in perfect preparation for a conversation this morning to think about. I mean, that's exactly why I go to Greg. He's one of my strongest mentors and I can 
call him and in 15 minutes feel like, okay, I think I'm on the right path here. I need to adjust here or there. And one of the things I love about Greg is he has no problem telling me that I'm absolutely wrong <laughs> and I've totally missed it. But then sometimes he's like, you're doing so well. I see Aww. your maturity. I see the way you're processing these things. Carry on. Aww. And it's so encouraging. That would be so encouraging. Sometimes so that's just what we need to hear. Exactly. Just something like that. Yeah. And, and I think that wisdom in that article about outside of your specific organization, like making time for that yeah. is so crucial. That's a great point. I tend to get very myopic. I'm in this world and this is everything in this world matters so much. And then you get outside of it and you realize, whoa, this is perspective. In my myopia, I can make really big deals over things that aren't as big of a deal when I step outside of the bubble and can look at it. Yeah. It's great yeah. advice. I think that's one of the things that I love so much about prayer. I do love the reality when I pray and I think about slowing my, my thought process down mm -hmm. and praying to the transcendent yeah. and realizing how small I am in this whole ecosystem, this whole yeah. world, the cosmos. Yeah. But I do have a job to do. Yeah. Right. So in prayer, I kind of look up and I'm outside of my exact experience. I'm aware of the reality of how small I am. Mm -hmm. And then I'm better able to do my job. And in the same way with mentor relationships or friendships, I'm able to get out of my little bubble a little bit and see that other people are struggling with similar things or, or that they may have wisdom in a specific area. And that helps so much to get back yeah. to my task at hand, where if I didn't take that break for prayer or friendship or mentor calls, I would just be lost. And I'd be like banging my head against the wall, you know, metaphorically, sure. like, what am I supposed yeah. to do here? Right. And again, the power of togetherness and the, the power of connectivity to yeah. me, you know? Yeah. It, and it's huge. It, it, it is. So what is the best piece of advice you've gotten? I think the best piece of advice I've been given is similar to what we're talking about right now is taking breaks from work. Oh, that's good. I am, I don't feel like I'm that type A as a, this kind of like recovering hippie or, you know, being <laughs> born too late. I don't think of myself as too type A, but I am. I have this weird drive and if there are issues, I will get up earlier, I will stay up later, I will work harder and I'll put my head down and I will try to solve it. Uh. And sometimes the best thing for me to do is to take a break. And whether that's a small break, you know, I have a like little secret rock place where I go in nature uh. and, and hide and I will go think or pray or actually take a real vacation and take my family for a long weekend camping or whatever it is, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think the best piece of advice I've gotten is, is to get out of your day-to-day -day experience, to be able to zoom out, mm -hmm. think about what's going on. What's my greater purpose here? What's mm -hmm. my mission? What's my Simon Sinek why? And get yeah. back to that so that I can get back at the, to the task at hand. Simon Sinek is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. What is your why? If you guys haven't seen it, uh, go check out. He has a great book. He has yes. a great TED talk. Yes. I think it might be one of the most popular of all time, his TED talk. 
Simon Sinek. Yeah. yeah, what is your why? And that just, that reminds me of Stephen Covey, his very old book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One, that is a classic if you haven't seen that one either, but one of his habits is to sharpen the saw. Hmm. Because oh, so that removes, yeah, yeah. Because if we attention. keep going and going and going and going, and we're we're getting just worn down, but we have to keep going. The saw gets dull, and when the saw gets dull, it doesn't cut as hmm. it doesn't cut as well. Yeah. It's not so as it's accurate, yeah. right? It's a lot more work. Hmm. But when you take a step outside of all that and sharpen the saw, which is exactly what you're talking about, then you are so much more effective for what your what your mission is this is the third thing that i'm writing down that i'm leaving with by the way lisa thank you yay good yeah sharpen the saw i've always been scared of the covey seven habits of highly effective people i don't know why have you you thought it was like woo woo or something no i i think it was just that i i probably had access to the book prior to being a business owner ah. and probably saw it as a business book that I would never be interested in. And that's where it stayed, at least with Simon Sinek and some of the other folks that I'm reading now, at least like I've had them in real time post yeah. being an entrepreneur where I think I probably have these weird <laughs> predilections to success that existed in my heart at the time that made me just not deal with it. And I'm so embarrassed saying it, but it's just a real thing. <laughs> you cut them out. Yeah. Like that's no, not no, an no, option. No. I'm not, well, I can like in this place where you are now, I can highly recommend that book because there are some really very important pearls in there that well, I've taken I out. Sharpening the Sharpen in the saw. That totally aligns with what we're yeah. talking about. If you could go back to your younger self and give your younger self advice, what's a piece of advice you would have given to you, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever? I think I wish I had heard your quilt example. Ah, I love that. Yeah, seriously, because what I have come to understand is it will all work out. Yeah. It may not be fun every moment it may yeah. not be easy every moment it may not be without pain it may not be pretty it may not be pretty yeah but i've really come to understand that we are the sum of all the things that have happened to us prior to the moment we're in right now and that's the quilt example right whether it's a bad thing that's happened that we've had to go through yeah. that has still contributed something to who we are today and i think my one of my biggest problems is when I am faced with those things, I try so hard to think of all the possible breakdowns. If I go, if I go option A in response to this, it's going to fail in these ways, but B it's going to fail in these ways. And I'm somewhat of an optimist in general, but I'm such a pessimist when it comes to my work and maybe huh. just like a fractured realist more than a pessimist, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I'm in those moments and in 2003, I would have been looking forward to hear all the ways that I'm going to fail, hear all the ways that we're going to have problems. And I would have tried to avoid all of those things rather than just doing the best job I could do, uh, doing it good. as excellently as I could and letting it happen. Because mm-hmm. even those times when things have fallen apart, I, you know, I've had rejections, I've had failures, we've had to close three stores and i don't want to talk about that i didn't know that but that's a part of our history and our dna yeah but they've taught us valuable lessons so i wish i could go back 
to 2003 TJ and say, it's going to be okay. Mm. Where you end up in 2023 is going to be the sum of the good and the bad. Vincent van Gogh has this quote about how the sea has, has ebbs and flows, Mm -hmm. but it's always the sea. Ah. Commonplace has been through, I mean, there have been broken relationships. I've lost friendships. I've lost business partners. I've lost really cool activities. We have, used to have this cool espresso truck that broke down all the time. I don't <laughs> want to talk about that, but it's a real part of who we are. Yeah. And it taught us things and it's been powerful in helping us be who we are today. So yeah. why would I want to take those things away? And in the moment I did, I tried to take them away or mm-hmm. pretend they didn't exist or not really dig into it to learn I, all I could from it. But it's, it's going to be good. the quilt. Yeah. You know, we're seeing it in real time with these terrible things on the backside yeah. of the quilt. But then at some point, and if we don't take time to sharpen the saw, we'll never do this. Right. But if we get out of the business or get out of the organization or get out of the hardship for a moment and really look at it, zoom out and recognize there are beautiful things happening around even with those struggles and those hardships. Right, right. And that applies to everyone's life everyone of you listening and me too it applies to our whole life yeah, not, not just, just business, business. Yeah, it's our it's our pretty well journey it is too. our pretty well journey right. it truly is and sometimes i'll have a client sit across from me and they'll be very very unwell they'll be very they'll be sick and that's why they're here and i'll say so your healing journey is not going to be linear mm-hmm. it's not going to go from here straight up it's going to be like the stock market. Yeah. It's going to be a jagged line. Yeah. So it's going to go up, down, up, down, up, down. But we want to know at the end of the day, which way did we trend? Still did we trend same. straight up? Because yeah. that's all that matters. Because the jagged part is just part of the journey. Yeah. And that's life for all of us. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's relationships, health, you know, business, family. It doesn't matter. It's it, it, This is not a perfect this is not a perfect experience by any means. And I do, you and I talked about this. We try to teach our kids that hard doesn't mean bad. Right. Hard just means hard yeah. and life has hard in it. So we got to accept the hard and continue to push through, but it doesn't mean it's bad. That's really good. Really helpful. What brings you the most joy? Human connection. You know, that starts with Julie yeah. and my family. Right. And seriously some of my most fun ever times are just sitting around a table with a cup of coffee deck of cards (laughs) the most simple things it's the best and i mean that's it you know that's that's what brings me joy occasionally i love to get back to nature i wish it was a more frequent part of my experience but that too seems to recenter me and and help me understand things about life that i don't don't always participate in you know I'm typically yeah. in side buildings with heating and air conditioning and miss the the smell of trees or the sounds of birds or you know yeah. feeling the ground and in your bare feet muddy and that's yeah. great <laughs> yeah that is great and when you combine that with your favorite people that's like the greatest <laughs> truly for sure, for sure. so I, I have a couple more questions. You, I saw you on a show where you were helping other coffee house owners kind of bring them, resurrect what they yeah, had had. Right. Can you share that with us? What is that? How can people yeah, watch sure. it? Because it's really fun. I'll put the link on too. Oh, cool. Yeah. So 
the Discovery Channel called us mid 2020, you know, which was interesting to try to navigate shooting that show during the pandemic, you know, so we're masked and it, it, that provided wow. its own set of difficulties, right? But wow, for what sure. What an opportunity. I mean, we, we didn't even know whether to take this seriously at first when we heard the Discovery Channel was interested in talking to us. That would be mind blowing. It was crazy. But we did learn in the first call when we finally got on the phone with them that this was real and that there was a billionaire named Glenn Stearns that wanted to hire us to work on a reality show series with him where he's resurrecting failing businesses in Erie, Pennsylvania. Wow. So my specific job was to go undercover uh -huh. in this show, get to know a business owner and ask some questions and understand like what why they open what's going on with them yeah and and this was it was kind of cool they had set this up as they were just shooting b-roll at this cafe in order to decide whether or not to pick this business owner as someone that would be in the show okay all the while they're shooting this to have the interaction between me as an undercover just coffee enthusiast and they had no the idea you're a mystery shopper Correct. basically which my favorite question <laughs> when i said oh my wife and i've always wanted to open a coffee shop <laughs> the owner said oh it, don't even worry about it you don't even need to know what an espresso machine is you'll learn the night before and when she said that i was like oh this is gonna make great television right so the long story short is they hired us to help dig in we shot three different times on on scene in Erie with her and we walked through the process of what it would be like for her to understand business better, to understand being a manager of humans better. And then where I really stepped in and, and was able to shine was over the coffee execution. And again, a really fun part of the show is that when it comes time and all the cameras are rolling, I mean, it was so intimidating. This is not my wheelhouse, but the producer is asking me to, to walk through a training with the owner of the, the coffee shop and the espresso machine was broken. So we couldn't even make coffee. Uh -uh. And so, you know, there was some like interesting elements of the show where they're, you know, speaking to me in my ear to like, try to make it more dramatic when it's also oh, <laughs> it's already, it's already dramatic. weird. And <laughs> yeah. we were able to get her some equipment. So through the show, you know, we walked through that process. It, it's, it's really, it was a fun experience and it really kind of bolstered our credibility in the market uh, and beyond. That's why we got the, the calls from Savannah and Miami. Wow. The show is called Undercover Billionaire. Okay. The season that we're on, they subnamed it Comeback City in Erie. So it's, we're the first episode in the first season of Comeback City of Undercover Billionaire. It's called Big Pivot, Big Profit. Okay. So I think you can get it on iTunes and I think there's even a way to rent it on Amazon Prime. I think if you have a dollar ninety nine you can you can get it in standard def. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get a link so people can find it. If not, I will put that right in the show notes so that cool. they know how to watch it. Because I did watch it back then yeah, and it was, it was uh, really fun. Twenty twenty one was when it okay. showed yeah. Okay. January 2021. Okay, I will get that. Get that so you guys can watch it. You will love it. And just tell us what what exciting opportunities can we commonplace devotees look forward to? <laughs> We're constantly looking for amazing coffees and different ways to engage with farmers. So we'll have some really beautiful coffees coming down the pipeline this mm. year. 
Um, we I mentioned this earlier, but we are working on a store. The uniqueness of this store will be that we're opening it with Speckled Egg, which is a upscale diner in Pittsburgh. Wow. Um, amazing restaurateurs, Jackie and Nate are unbelievable. All of their food is unreal. Really? They are open now in the Union Trust building in downtown Pittsburgh, oh. and this will be their second location. They actually invited us to the scene. They were given an opportunity to rent a 6,000 square foot um, former restaurant. And they didn't want the overhead of a 6,000 square foot space. So it's pretty big. We're taking 2,000 square feet and they're taking 4,000. As I said earlier, it's next to REI. So that's a uniqueness too. We've never <sighs> been in the South Side. We've never been in um, an anchor tenant store like that or that we love so much. I mean, I'm an outdoor enthusiast. I love bicycling, love hiking. REI is one of my favorite stores in the world. Right there. All of my staff love, you know, we love going to the garage sales and the scratch and dent areas. Like, yeah, it's a big part of our culture. So we're so excited to be next door and to be able to serve coffee to some of our favorite staff friends at REI. That's going to be so much fun. What's the time frame of that looking like it's going to We're hoping come to by open. mid June. Wow, that's soon. Yeah, we've been working on this project for two years. Oh, um, and okay. It's, it's just had so many hurdles. Let's look at the front side of the quilt, though. Okay, <laughs> yep, front side of the been, quilt. It's yep. been a struggle. But Those knots um, are going to make it even prettier. I mean, seriously, <laughs> everything that could have gone wrong, you know, including the fact that we were trying to do this during the pandemic. Oh, wow. It's Our first meeting there was November of 2021. And it's oh, been man. this long. And yeah. there is even another hiccup right now that may extend that timeline longer. We're hoping it's not, but we're not surprised another thing happened. <laughs> it's just like, all right, we'll just get there when we get there. Well, it would be really nice if they would bring speckled egg here, too. We could certainly use another breakfast spot in Indiana. To come to Indiana. Yeah, maybe we could put a little pitch on there after they get that all open up and running, doing great, then come on, we need some help here. Okay, tell us how people can learn more about Commonplace and then how they can follow you guys, contact, reach out if they want to buy anything to have shipped to them. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. our website is commonplacecoffee.com. I think we have Commonplace Coffee in all the social media channels. Okay. If they're interested, if folks are interested in just learning about coffee the website has a ton of resources if you're interested in opening a coffee house you can reach out to me directly tj underscore fairchild is my instagram account and that's pretty active and there's also type forms on the website where you can fill out if you're interested in barista training or beginning the process of opening a coffee shop or if you just want to learn more about coffee we can spend time at our we have a really active headquarters with a training bar and like a coffee playground Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. It's like the Willy Wonka of, yeah, please Right come. in Pittsburgh? Would, yeah, I would love to host you there, Lisa. Oh. Bring the family. Uh, I would love I'm to. I'm coming. My favorite restaurant is around the corner. It's a Vietnamese place. We can oh. have some noodles. Can you have rice noodles? Yeah. That's Fog good. broth? I think so. Oh, as long man. as they can do gluten-free, I'll be good. It's definitely gluten-free, but I know there is sugar in it. That's all right. I can do that. A little bit of sugar. Yep. I think they just put... Like a little piece of rock sugar in the bottom. Oh, that sounds good. So okay. Yep. I'm coming. All right. That's where and I'm... That's, that's an invitation to everybody. We do tours all the time. In fact, I did um, not know that. Thursday, we're hosting a group of high school students with a, a school in Pittsburgh. It's called the Ellis School, and they have a, a business track 
for high school students. And so we're going to give them a tour and then talk to them about what we do in general, but then also do a coffee tasting and talk about the three major growing regions of coffee and why things taste differently because of the soil and processing methods. So, Oh, I'm bringing the kids. Yeah, I'm coming. Yeah. So, so anyone who wants a tour, we'll have a pretty well specific tour and uh, all your fans can come. Let's do that. Hey, whoever wants to come, reach out to me. We'll do a pretty well tour. That sounds awesome. TJ, as always, you bring me such joy. Oh, thanks, Lisa. I love talking with you. So guys, thank you for being here. And seriously, reach out if you want a tour or if you just any information about coffee or barista-ing or or opening a coffee shop or anything, just reach out. And we so appreciate every one of you. So until next time, stay pretty well. Bye.